All right. Yes, we're in the studio, live. And, you know, in this crazy COVID time, when we're not supposed to be engaging in in-person things, we do. Because I know UH is supposed to be in-person now, and the class I'm in is supposed to be, but we're still doing virtual. And there were people on campus, but then there were many, many courses that are still online. And so wherever you are right now, whether you are um, on the road, in the car, taking a class and not paying attention or whatever, you know, we're here and we have some important stuff to talk about today. So I'd like to welcome my beautiful activist new friend, Carolyn Hadfield here, who is in the studio with me. Carolyn has a very interesting background and I'm going to learn it as we go. It's going to be an experimental show where uh, there are so many things that are going to unfold um, in front of me. And uh, just a warning, uh, today's issue on fighting for abortion rights is a triggering one for some and people who have issues um, who've experienced uh, sexual assault before uh, this is also potentially triggering and yeah I just wanted to throw that out there and also that uh, the opinions made today do not reflect those on behalf of the station but we do as you know on my show highly encourage opinions because that's that's where we make a difference and today we're going to be talking about why we need to t be talking about abortion rights all right so uh, without further ado I welcome Carolyn Hadfield here Carolyn welcome to KTUH good to be here yeah. <laughs> so happy to be here uh, now Carolyn we were introduced by a mutual friend and uh, you when we first spoke you said you knew every nook and cranny of this campus can you just share a little <laughs> bit about how and why you know this place so well oh boy um, well I first came here in uh, early 60s uh, my first husband came to go to UH as a master's student and so I trailed along and I worked off campus of course to get him through school uh, as a clerk and wait, secretary wait. you you supported your husband to go to school absolutely Wow and so that was kind of what you did then you were a woman after all and men went to college and women didn't and so um, that's what I did I um, I did what I was supposed to do and uh, but I also was in a lot of the clubs and things like that up on campus early on early 60s what kind of clubs were there then uh, like he was in science so there were science hiking clubs and things like that so I was always on campus okay and uh, then I left and went to live on Molokai for a while and then came back here and, and this was the 60s we're talking about right? yeah, that, yeah we're talking 60s that is so crazy okay and came back here and then by then I had two little kids and so I went to college here. Uh, at that time, we quite comfortably took our kids to classes. Uh, I was in an experimental college called New College here on campus. It was over on Vancouver Street. Oh. And so I took some classes here and then then others on off campus uh, gradually went into the education department. When you um, said you took classes on and off, were, so you were technically a student? I was technically a student. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. A full-time student with two little kids. With two little kids. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So you mentioned that earlier that you had to bring your little... I never had childcare, not once. And so you brought both kids into both class. Both kids, right. Tell me how that went. Well, people sort of took care of them, and they sort of tore around, and um, they were Kinda hellions. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> plotted them around. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh -huh. and other people 
sort of picked him up and took care of him, it was fine. I love that. Um, but it was a very different time. It was all of that time of like we're going to do things, you know, as community and things like that. So it was not, I wouldn't say it was easy to go to school with kids, ever. I'd never say that. But well, is it ever? No. No. <laughs> but it was a lot easier than having to have childcare and, and all of that kind of stuff, I thought. And um, I, some of my best friends now are still from those days. Um, some are professors elsewhere now, and we still are in touch because we became family during that time. Wow. Yeah. And uh, then gradually went to went a little beyond, and then I've taught different classes here in ed foundations and to teachers um, in public schools, those kind of classes that are for teachers, you know, extended summer schools, things like that. I was never like a faculty member formally. Um, That's just a title. And then I was a principal of a little tiny experimental school right down at Church of the Crossroads. Uh, right below here, uh-huh. and we were on campus all the time with the little kids and stuff. So, so you brought the kids sure, to... Sure. Why? Just to play on the sure. grass and to... No, and also see classes. I remember taking... You brought the little kids to classes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember taking them to... When they were first doing computers and they had those punch cards. I don't know if you remember that. No, you're not well, old I, Yeah, I'm pretty old, but... Yeah, yeah. but not that old. <laughs> but they had big stacks of punch cards, and you had to punch the cards, and then they went through these big machines, and they were over in... Um, so they got to like kick, get a kick out of punching cards. They yeah they you know faculty member here would let the kids come in and and see how it worked and punch cards or something and you know uh, yeah you know it just seems and it's not just a matter of being so long ago. Bye bye Kelsey bye. Um, everybody thank you to uh, Auntie Kay yes she just left the studio. Um, <laughs> I, I was just thinking, you know, when things were relatively normal on campus, I remember uh, teachers bringing little preschoolers onto yeah. campus and doing really cute things, mm-hmm. like just like the whole duckling exactly trip, doing stuff here. Yeah. But I forgot about that. Uh-huh. I Dur- forgot that this happens. Oh, yeah. And it used to happen a yeah. lot more because yeah. there was that kind of feeling of we're a larger community. And um, uh, at one point, I had a sixth grader who was who chose a computer person here as a mentor. And he actually went up and learned all of the computer stuff at that time. Um, This was late 60s. And um, he is now traveling around the world as a computer expert. So, you know, you never know. You never know. You never know. And I, like, love the kind of... They happen the chance that we got to be connected through a friend from a random right. conversation you had with her over lunch, um, and for me to be able to offer the space to learn about your anti-abortion rights. And I promise we're going to come back and forth to it. I will not detour oh, to no. a point where we don't I won't forget. Let you. So okay. why don't we just before I detour again is to just um, allow you the space to just um, introduce what this whole organization's about. Okay, I'm with a newly formed organization. It's national, and I offered to be an organizer. And it's called Rise Up for Abortion Rights. And it's specifically speaking to the um, Supreme Court case that's coming up. Uh, It will be heard 
uh, it has been heard in December and a decision is going to be made in probably late June or maybe early July which could overturn our constitutional right to abortion. Uh, it uh, is the conservative justices have indicated that they are predisposed to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yes. And uh, so that's what we're looking at. Roe v. Wade, for people who don't understand exactly what that constitutional right allows us, uh, actually says that every woman has a, every woman or person, because not all people who are pregnant identify as a woman, uh, but all people who are pregnant uh, have the right to an abortion up to viability. Viability is when a fetus could survive on its own theoretically, and that's usually at 24 weeks. Now, there could be a pairing back of that, because right now the case that's being heard is asking to set it at 15 weeks. Um, Which oftentimes at that time people don't even know they're pregnant yet. You, you could not know, right. And, but that would, in effect, overturn Roe v. Wade. Because Roe v. Wade, the very terms of it are that it's at viability. So any pulling back of that, like in Texas, it's eight weeks. Mississippi is trying to have 15 weeks. And then they want to roll back from that. If Roe v. Wade, the 24-week viability period, falls, then the whole thing is open to be cut. Um, so what we're trying to do is pull together a large movement very fast to bring attention to this. A national movement. A national movement. And, uh, you know, we've been out in the streets in Hawaii, as they are in a lot of cities. Um, so uh, it's coming from not nowhere, but a lot of the mainstream groups are saying that it's already... And by that I mean like now, now and Nairal and some of the traditional women's groups. Uh, they're, actually, they're actually conceding. They're actually conceding on Roe v. Wade, and they are saying, we think it's going to be overturned. So they're trying to gather funds and stuff for women to be able to continue to have abortions or travel to states which don't have those repressive laws. So there are a lot of different things going on, but this organization is saying, no, that we can't give up a constitutional right. We fought like crazy for it. I fought on the streets in 1970 to get it here. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa. Okay, so we need to talk about that. You're talking about your activism, so maybe we can back up a little bit. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about Caroline's um, activism life. Um, <laughs> Good grief. And, and no, we need to know about this. Um, so hang on there. Uh, people who are tuning in right now, I'm talking to Carolyn Hadfield about uh, activism on this anti-abortion movement that going on riseupforabortionrights.org and um and, and equally important is uh, Caroline's, Caroline's background and what motivates her as an activist, as a woman, as a, a person who feels compelled to be a part of an important movement and or movements, I should say, because she's obviously uh, a power to reckon with in, in so many areas that I'm just learning about. So here we go. Okay, so um, on that quick break, I wanted to first announce the whole Hawaii Cares Act uh, from UH, the Coordinated Access Resource 
Entry System, or Hawaii CARES, C-A-R-E-S, is a public call and referral center helping to connect individuals with around-the-clock assistance for behavioral health-related issues. If you are experiencing feelings of depression, a mental health crisis, having suicidal thoughts, or want to discuss substance use treatment services, you can call 1-800-753-6879. Again, that's 1-800-753-6879. Or text ALOHA, A-L-O-H-A at 741-741. You are listening to KTUH. I'm Crystal on Quok Talk. That was Milk's Quiet. I Won't Keep Quiet. Yeah, this is the perfect song for what we're doing here, is raising voices, amplifying um, the voice, a much-needed voice, to raise awareness for what's going on in this country with the abortion situation. So back with my guest Carolyn here talking about this movement that we need to discuss, I wanted to back up a little bit. And Carolyn, if you don't mind sharing what kind of brought you to this space to begin with, why is this um, issue important to you, if you don't mind sharing from a personal perspective? No, sure. Um, When I think of abortion, the first thing that comes to mind is my own personal experience with it as you know most people I think go into something because they relate to something in their own life Um, when I was about 13 um, I I was in a basement a a dirt floored basement with my two friends and my one friend had where was this this is in California okay and my friend had been raped by her father and she thought she was pregnant and we lived in a very closed very fundamentalist Christian community. So, of course, sex was like an off-topic, and none of us knew what anything would mean about that. But her older sister told her that she could she could actually abort if she stuck a stick up her vagina. Oh, gosh. So um, that's what she did. And the three of us sat there, oh. and she bled, and so we thought it was over. And... Um, you know, miraculously, she never got infected or anything like that. Oh. Now, of course, I have no clue whether she was actually pregnant. There was no way to really find out. She'd missed her period, but at 13 and 14, it's very irregular anyway. Right. Uh, she was traumatized by her father, of course, and so that was the worst thought when she told her sister. Um, you know, that was a possibility. Uh, and then later, when we were adults and I met her again many, many years later, she had never had kids, and she said, yeah, I couldn't because of that day. Oh. And uh, so, you know, the, the necessity and the, the, the visual is with me all the time of what it means to young girls who have sort of closed communities. I know there are many children living now in very religious communities that's becoming more common. Mm. Uh, With homeschooling and stuff, there's less access to information. And uh, so that's a very strong feeling for young kids. Uh, They need to be able to go to a clinic where they can find out, one, if they are pregnant, and have an abortion if that's what they need, um, if that's what they choose. Uh, and so that's a very strong feeling. I myself did not have an abortion after I had until I had had two kids. And um, I was putting my husband through college and trying to work on the side and go to school on the side and everything else, and I just didn't feel like I could handle two more, another child. 
Then, by then, we'd actually got legal abortion in Hawaii. What year was that? Uh, that was probably Around. 73, 72. We got a legal abortion here in Hawaii in 1970. And in 72, it became a um, Roe v. Wade was passed, so it, it became constitutional across the U.S. Okay, so, uh, so before that, before this was passed as a legal um, right to to have an abortion what did people mostly do a lot of people in hawaii if they had any money went to japan that wow. was a very common thing to do and i raised money for another friend to go to japan um you know who was at the point that point uh working with me uh that was one choice was that like an organization or was it kind of an underground thing where women mm. helped women i don't know okay. i really don't know uh there was enough information about it that people got together and did that um and um you know, I know in California it was largely going to Mexico. Right. Uh, but here you could go to Japan for about, you know, a little bit more money and have a very safe one. Right. And Japan was very, very open on abortion. Were so, there illegal clinics here on island that people went to? I mean, must I've have heard of them, of but I don't really know of them. Um, the clinics I was familiar with uh, began after it was actually legalized, and then there were a lot of clinics. Um, and, and we're talking, you know, again, 1970, and, and pre-Roe pre v. Wade, uh, mm -hmm. people just found ways. Uh, they found ways. They and, found ways. And what, how do we define ways? I mean, your description of your, your friend well, at 13 yeah. is just um, terrifying yeah. and, and very disturbing to hear. And, and I'm sure that's still going on now. Yes. Um, I did interview at some point a group of Filipino women here who were Catholics, and I was talk I was interviewing them about abortion, and uh, they said, "Well, it's a sin," and I said, "So nobody in your community has abortions?" And they said, "Oh no, we have abortions, but we we have our own people who do it." And I said, "Well, do your husbands know or anything?" No, 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 no. So I know there were groups of women, probably in every community, certainly Hawaiians have certain abortion procedures too, and yeah. that's gone on, you know, f for <laughs> yeah. uh, generations and generations. So different communities certainly had their own ways. Right, and, and this is just reminding us that, you know, sex happens, whether it's consensual or, or assault, it's going to happen and things are happening because of our bodies being female right. are going to get impregnated. And this whole abortion rights issue, which is the most disturbing thing and why we need to talk about this now, is that we seem to be going backwards in, in this conservatism in, in, in having a nation controlling our bodies. Um, yeah. Can we speak a little to that? And and I don't. I want to go back to the past too. Some at some point because it's it, it's disturbingly necessary to remind ourselves of what women go through uh, because of laws and um, patriarchal structures that are kind of imposed in our lives. Yeah, there are a lot of things. Uh, there are laws. There are regulations. Uh, I mean, Hawaii had. Um, in 1970, it became legal, and by 1992, uh, there were 52 clinics in Hawaii. 52 clinics where they did abortions. 
Uh, They increased every year up until 1992. And then this really strong anti-choice movement, the regulations, the increase of insurance, the lack of doctors, all of them uh, affected that. A lot was regulations, actually. And uh, by 1992, they were only, by... Let's see, 2017, Mm -hmm. there were only three clinics left, which is what it is now. So you look at the so-called progress from so the... So progress yeah. went or, from <laughs> totally legal. There, when we when we started in 70, 15 hospitals in Hawaii gave abortions. I went to a hospital. I had abortion within 15 minutes. I recovered for about a half an hour, and I went back to work. It cost me my copay at Kaiser. No questions asked, no, no talking 24 hours or counseling or any of that kind of thing. You just made the choice. You did it, and that was that. Um, and that has just been chiseled away. So what is it today? Um, now we have um, uh, two... Planned Parenthood clinics, one on this island, one on Maui. Are they which the is only part-time. ones who are allowed to give there's abortions? A, there's no. There's another one at Queen's Hospital that I know of. Those are the only three that I know only of. Only three. Yeah. So if you're on Kauai, you're just out of luck. You don't have an abortion clinic to go to. That's crazy. Um, you know, if you're lucky enough, you'd have a family doctor if you were a kid. Um, that could do it without, you know, could at least tell you if you were pregnant. So it's not illegal, but there are no resources to do this. That's right. Women, everybody says, well, don't worry so much, Hawaii, it'll always be legal. The fact is that in Hawaii, many, many, many people cannot get an abortion, uh, one reason or another. Right. The lack of funding for even places like Planned Parenthood, um, the lack of access. Mm-hmm. Uh, most counties have no abortion clinic in Hawaii. I mean, we're only talking Oahu and Maui part-time. And um, you don't have many doctors who are doing it. The uh, insurance rates are very high for abortion, even though it's a very, very simple procedure. Um, so well, there why been do you think this is? Do you think there's a larger force at work that's trying to... Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And then steering away from controversy. Yeah, um, I haven't read anything yeah. here. There's no movement. There's no movement. Um, and so people really... And, and actually... The women's groups backed off on it for a lot of years, too, and said, never say the word abortion, just say choice. Well, now I, I think <laughs> they're saying abortion because it's abortion that's on the front line. That's being outlawed. But the larger agenda is to outlaw contraception, uh, LGBTQ rights. Uh, a lot of those things, your pri- intimacy, privacy yeah. For your sex life, sodomy, those kinds of things, uh, if you're going to use that word. Um, those are all under in, uh, privacy, intimacy, privacy acts. And uh, those base their cases on Roe v. Wade. Marriage equality, pri- intimacy for privacy, um, LGBTQ, uh, those rights at least part of the decision giving those rights was based on Roe v. Wade and the right to privacy. So if we give up that right, we're looking at a possible cascade. Well, it started. It started. I mean, the cascade, we're already in a cascade, but there would be another leap in that. 
and and you know we're talking Hawaii here, but we can't you know in relation to the larger movement that's triggering from Texas. But we all we I feel like in Hawaii we always say, okay, well this isn't going to affect us. Right. Right. But, but you're telling me that, and then I did not know that there are only three places that you know of that have kind of official clinics clinic for abortions status. here, which mm-hmm. is shocking to me mm-hmm. for a state that is considered liberal. Progressive and yes. liberal. Right. Wow. Okay, so, so if people are just tuning in and you don't know what we're talking about, boy, are we talking. This is Carolyn Hadfield here uh, sharing information Um and on behalf of the new movement that's created, uh, RiseForUpAbortionRights.org. And you can get on their site with that same name, right? Rise up for with the number 4, AbortionRights.org. Um, and this is something that you are kind of embarking in a nationwide scale to create awareness for mm-hmm. and, and to fight what's going on. It's a on. fight. Yes. It's a battle. And, you know, to win, we'd need millions in the street. We'd need disruption. We'd need a lot of the things that people are really afraid of. And that's a leap that people, I think, have to make in their mind. Like, what happens if you don't have this kind of, you know, marginal chaos? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I think it's something people steer, steer clear of. Uh, and especially there's kind of a everybody's okay in Hawaii kind of attitude. Mm. Um, but I also think people are deeply angered about this. There's a lot of rage that this is happening to us, that these attacks on, on women, uh, I mean, uh, on, a di- on a lot of different groups of people are escalating. And it's becoming more ugly and polarized, and we can no longer sort of hide between, if I'm nice, they'll be nice. Mm. Because they aren't nice, Mm. you know, when they're yelling back at you. Yeah. um, That you're just murderers and things like that. You know, we have to go, we have to deal with that and step step up to it. Okay, so I, I... Not very well versed in the politics, but I feel like we can't talk about this without talking about, um, you know, the the foundation of this country's structure and how divided we are today with this conservatism that Trump kind of reignited. Exactly. And even though Joe Biden's in the position right now, it doesn't seem like we can reverse what this monster has created. No, the the movement is very, very strong. And I just read an article on the plans that's being put out by uh, the plans that the anti-choice people are putting out. Uh, And that's to, well, if Roe v. Wade were overturned, 21 states would would immediately disallow abortion rights. They already have the laws on the books. They're called trigger laws. So they already have laws that if it struck down the Supreme Court, 21 states won't have full access to abortion. Now, the anti-choicers have a strategy, and it's very clear, and that's to then focus all of their attention one by one on the states that don't aren't outlawing it, because Mm -hmm. it would become state by state. It wouldn't just immediately go nationwide. So they'll be targeting each state. Now, Hawaii would probably be one of the last states to target. It's smaller, um, you know, uh, but it would get targeted. So you have that. You would have a a real triumphalist, anti-woman movement, a movement set to control women's bodies. 
and with a wind like that, they will expand very quickly. Um, that's one aspect. There's an actual plan to increase funding by that movement for all of these fake abortion clinics. Um, Hawaii has a number of them where you go and they tell you they'll give you the results of your pregnancy test, uh -huh. and they will, but then they use all kind of measures to convince you not to have the abortion. And if you're vulnerable, you don't know, and you don't have support, yeah. you're going to easily slide into that, yeah, okay, well, easily. that's what I should do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. and so they're sort of going that, and, you know, they're couching it in nice words, like, of course, you know, everybody will have, uh, have counseling, will have... <laughs> okay, well, let's, okay, there's a lot to digest there. Let's just take a breather. <sighs> I need one. Um, we come back and, and, and we need to kind of unpack this a little bit more. Um, so yes, if you are just tuning in, I'm talking to Carolyn about the anti-abortion movement that we need to address right now uh, and what's going on in our country and, and why this is important to each and every one of us. You are listening to K2H. I'm Crystal on Quack Talk. Back in the studio. This is Quack Talk, and I am Crystal speaking with Carolyn Hadfield here. That song, if you recognized it, was Loretta Lynn's The Pill. Let's talk about that. Um, because, wow, a song about the pill. What mm -hmm. does that say already, you know, during that era? I mean, who writes songs about the pill? Right. Um, yeah, that was a big deal when the pill came out. I mean, all yeah. of the, uh, all of the um, means that we had... Uh, of birth control were pretty unreliable and then suddenly there was a more reliable though not fully reliable as I could testify to oh. but oh, <laughs> I got on pregnant the... on the pill wow uh, but you were that like one percent that one percent happened to be oh, me gosh. but um you know, it was a huge thing for women, and it was talked about, and it was debated. It was out there in society. There was a lot of talk about how the pill was going to lead to there being no babies, as though women wouldn't want All these scare tactics, which were similar to the stuff today, to say that this is kind of an evil pill, and then overwhelming the women saying, no, it's something we need. So each step, I think, has taken a real struggle. Um, and, you know, we, we love to have that narrative that, oh, we've come so far, yeah. we've come a long way with women's rights. And here we are today in 2022 talking about this uh, overtake by extreme conservatives who want to control our bodies. Right. Extreme. Extreme. And um, it's more extreme than we ever had before. I was going to ask you, in your lifetime, have no. you not seen, no. you've gone you through... You didn't have, have women going... To jail for abortion and now there have been several and they're black but they went to jail for aborting um, recently in the last two years yeah okay and uh, there are are in six states there are now laws coming up they haven't passed but one is very close that would actually allow that would actually force you to register on a database if you are wanting to have an abortion and then the state would control that and then have mandatory counseling and all of that and that would remain. Uh, there are six states that are looking at different levels of criminalizing abortion. Uh, Ab Alabama's would be the uh, life sentence or possibly the life sentence. Life, life sentence for the doctor who did an abortion. And what about this new thing where they're saying if you basically 
tattle or, or what is it like you get credit for tattling on somebody yes uh, that's a kind of vigilante law yeah and it like if you are going to say Planned Parenthood just because that's what people are familiar mm-hmm. with here but there are a lot of independent clinics too uh, and somebody sees you going there they can start telling on you and they can get an, a, re- a reward if you went there for an abortion now of course lots of people are going to be told on because most of Planned Parenthood's uh, clinic isn't for abortions they only five right. to ten percent of their okay. their work is abortions. The rest are regular women's right. health care. Right. Right. Um, so that puts a real damper on even looking to go to one of those clinics. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so a number of people have reported people and are now up for a possible ten thousand dollar reward. Uh, and ironically, the person, the first person to to actually put in for the ward wasn't even in the state of Texas. Uh, so you have this kind of vigilante thing of, of unleashing citizens to report on women uh, for this behavior or whatever you want to call it. Taxi drivers mm. would who drive someone to a Planned oh, Parenthood wow. clinic would be aiding and abetting. So you wow. you have this whole vigilante. Yeah, it can't yeah. be called anything else. Right. Um, that has now become reality in Texas. Uh, you have millions of women, literally millions, in Texas who can't get abortions. Uh, you can still get it up to six weeks, but the clinics are so lined up that you can't even get an appointment for two weeks. And, and this is crazy that we're talking about this today because, you know, yeah. you talk about, like, back in the, you're saying, you know, you gave out numbers of the 70s when this all started becoming legalized and before that where people had to go and find other ways to do it. But um, now you're talking about it. it you have ways to do it, but you have no access to it. And not only do you not have access to it, is you will be condemned um, to a point where yeah. your whole life is destroyed, basically. Yes. yes. Um, wow. And it's a, it, that kind of law is something that can transfer to a lot of other areas. I mean, I, I wanted to stick to abortion, but when you think about um, undocumented immigrants, yes. and if they put in if this law is ruled constitutional in the end and they continue it, uh, it can be extended to, you know, report your neighbor who you think might be, in, you know, undocumented or any number of things. Um, and you think about the people who do become those vigilantes, sometimes it's maybe a, uh, 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 it comes from a place of desperity, right? Mm-hmm. If financial needs, whatever it is, to go and... Or revenge. Okay, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So it's a scary prospect to put in these kinds of laws. And what are some other um, consequences that we need to address in addition to obviously the person's life and um, and the people around them? But what are some other things that we're not thinking of that this creates destruction around? I'm not sure what you're asking. Well, I'm are- just thinking like because we always think of abortion as an individual person's issue. Oh, right. But it's actually It's much actually greater. a societal issue. Yes, yes. Uh, The majority of women who have abortions uh, are of color. Okay. Uh, I think Mississippi, 
Um, and this is uh, nationwide? Nationwide. Okay. Nationwide. And particularly black. Um, so that's something that we don't often... 80% of the women in Mississippi who get abortions are black. Um, Louisiana, 74% of all women who are getting abortions are black. Uh, can, so, we walk, can we walk through this a little bit? Like some, sure. Let's just, from a perspective, let's say, of some privileged, educated white person listening to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. They might be thinking, and I, I have no right to say on behalf of them, but I'm just putting a scenario out there that why this is not relevant to their lives or why it's easy to assume that maybe they got themselves in trouble and that's their fault kind of a narrative. Yeah, well, I think one is they always have an out-ramp. They can always go to another place, another country. They can find, find whether legal or illegal, sources. If you have enough money, you have access to a lot of things in this country. So we're talking about the disparity that's we're talking based about on a white disparity. system. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, if you don't look at that, you aren't going to understand the crisis we're in. Right, right now in Texas, the majority of women are in the Rio Grande area. Now, that's the area that's largely um, Mexican um, and poor. It's one of the poorest areas. Uh, those are the women who are needing abortions. And so the, if they don't have it, the disparity is going to increase because they'll have more kids to take care of. They're deeper in poverty. Most of those are, pover are abortions due to lack of... Um, just lack of the means to actually have more kids. <laughs> right. And because a lot of them are Catholic. One in four Catholic women has an abortion. One in four? One in four <laughs> of the people, of the women who have abortions are Catholic. Interesting. And that's because of lack of birth control, the sin association, and things yeah. like that. Right. And then what happens, and again, again, the, the other consequences that we don't kind of often take into consideration is um, if, it's, if it's not abortion, let's say these women have to keep their children and then they opt for adoptions. And what mm -hmm. happens to these, these babies and what happens to societies who treat these babies? Right, right. No, there's a lot of issues tied up with that. Yeah. And I don't want to get into every single one because I think we lose sight of like what we're trying to... People have to understand it to really get the, the extent of what we're trying to uh, prevent. On the other hand, I think we have to talk about the necessity to actually rise up against this and not be overwhelmed or feel hopeless and despairing. Because the reality is that most people support abortion rights. When you say most, what, what does that mean? Like based on what? on any poll that's come out. Is it because of the type of people who are taking these polls? Or it probably. There's some of that. Because who has access to it, yeah, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, when it comes down to polling, it's clearly, clearly 70%, 60-70% favor abortion rights. Right. Okay. And so then poor women, obviously, are the ones who are getting abortions in the most numbers. So there's a big support there. So, you know, um, when we go out, uh, and this is, I'm talking to colleagues in cities across the United States, including in Texas. When you go out on the street, the majority of people are supporting you when you're talking about choice, when you're talking about abortion. 
Is that a superficial thing, or you think that they do believe that? It's they absolutely believe that. You talk to them. I mean, I've had, I've been standing on the street just with a sign here, and I'm and and uh, well, a couple weeks ago, I was standing at Thomas Square with a sign for abortion rights, a uh, big banner, huh. and um, a woman, I'd say maybe forty or fifty years old. Uh, Micronesian in her Micronesian skirt walked up and very quietly and politely said I really want to thank you this is something we need for our families mm. now that's yeah. unusual yeah because usually you don't hear that much um, you know especially walking up to a holly woman like me and you know yeah. being willing to talk about that uh, but that happens all the time from all different groups and and a lot of people wanting to tell their stories and stories being tremendously important people need to share their stories but there's got to be a platform to share it with right? yes but you have to start sharing it with some of your close friends mm -hmm. so that you become comfortable with it nobody wants to go in front of a bunch of strangers before right. they've ever talked about sure. it and you mentioned off air that um, there have been kind of a decrease in the type of um, not necessarily an organization, but just community of women's rights types yes. um, activism. And why do you think that is? I don't know. I think activism became kind of formalized. Uh, it almost became corporatized in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. where you had a lot of big funded organizations and less real community grassroots groups of people getting together. I think part of that community thing that was there a long time ago has been lost generally, not just to this, but the uh, the just sitting down and sharing things in person has dis has decreased, even though there's a bigger access right. to stuff online about sex. Who knows if it's right. if it's right or not? Right. Um, but that that doesn't take the place of actual sharing yeah. and talking about it. So you're saying we need to form more kind of women's circles, if you will, some kind of like community That's gatherings. That's one way, community gatherings, women's circles, being more willing to share things like this with the family. Because since it's become controversial, yeah. which it wasn't for a long time. Right, right. <laughs> okay. That's why it's gone quiet, because yeah. it's kind of assumed that that's not an right. issue anymore. Right, right. Uh, but it's important to talk about this now, yeah. Uh, yes. Especially when it's becoming so much under attack. Uh, I think it's time for some of the women, of for women to, uh, or um, trans folks or everybody to share what is the experience with this. Um, was it, you know, terrible? Was it? Um, for most people, I think they'll say it was a tremendous release, relief to mm. have the abortion. Mm. But increasingly, people are having to jump through more hoops, yeah. whether it's having to wait 24 hours, get a sonograph, whatever. Um, you know, more hoops have been created. Yeah. So, I mean, there are platforms, but there's so much going against people who to, to encourage sharing. I think that's and, what you're talking and about. And I think a lot of platforms are limited to sort of university folks. And, yeah, but that's uh, where things happen, though. I thought in the back in the old days, <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that where no. the voices started? Um, we didn't to some start. extent, but I don't think so. It, it was far more grassroots because no activism was funded then. Hmm. It was just growing up from, from people's emotions and needs. 
Right. Um, and not to say that people don't have emotion and needs today, but right. somehow we've kept it private we've or kept they things private. throw it onto social media so we distance ourselves yes. from it to detach our to, sh- mm-hmm. to, to share without sharing, you know what I and mean? And sharing something like this on social media is to invite all kind of nutcases, oh, too. Yes. I mean, that's not something that's I'm encouraging. That's a, a whole worms. other can of worms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think you have to get really comfortable with yourself uh, before you can go real public. Yeah, and I think we need to kind of reinforce going back to the body is how how do we respect the body how do we respect each other's bodies let's come back to fundamentals of that and um, mm-hmm. just want to take a quick break uh, with a beautiful Aretha Franklin song on respect and we'll come back and if you're just tuning in we're talking I'm talking to Carolyn Hadfield here about abortion rights and the long road we need to kind of come and, and, and fight this this reversed strange um, movement so yeah <laughs> The only station that loves you. And your little dog, too. <laughs> Welcome back to the studio. I'm Crystal on Quok Talk, speaking with Carolyn Hadfield on the abortion movement, abortion rights movement, excuse me, specifically riseforupabortionrights.org. And Carolyn, before we, you know, continue our conversation, why don't we um, illuminate our listeners onto how we can engage people who want to be involved with this okay um yeah i think one of the things that you can do right away is go to that site rise up for and that's a a number four Mm -hmm. rise up for abortion org, and you'll see a statement there and the statement is very comprehensive and if you agree sign it and you'll be part of a movement uh you can also start building for International Women's Day, March 8th. Uh, we're going to have a, have marches, rallies across the country. Here in Honolulu, we'll be starting at the state capitol at 3 p.m. in the afternoon with sign-holding, rally. Be as outrageous you want to be. Uh, wear an outfit. Carry your Bring a sign. You can start making your signs now. Uh, express your feelings. If you want to share your stories, let me know. Uh, and... Um, Yeah, Uh, we're also doing a lot of sign holding. Uh, we're doing different things. We have a, we're setting up a performance in Waikiki oh. at the corner of Seaside in front of the HM building. Um, uh, we did a car caravan yesterday. If you'd want to be part of any of that stuff, uh, get hold of us. You can email me at Rise Up for Abortion Rights Hawaii. Rise Up for Abortion Rights Hawaii at gmail.com uh, and you'll get me okay <laughs> and uh, we'll plug you in so we need organizers anybody who wants to who feels a passion around this issue and wants to organize is welcome you don't have to be an organizer you can just pick up materials uh, we'll be tomorrow at the corner of um, let's see what is it Ward and King Street at Thomas Square tomorrow so, did you yeah. say? yeah 3 to 4 p.m. in the afternoon, we'll be holding signs right across from the open market there, um, telling people about this movement. And um, yeah. And, and everyone can be an activist. Anyone no, can be an activist. There's no one way. Yes, yes. Uh, there's one woman I just want to mention. Uh, she got so angry when the Texas law went through, SB 8, that, and she's an 
elderly woman too and she doesn't get around so great so she took her chair and she's sitting at the corner of punch bowl uh, in front of the federal building every single day from 4 to 5 p.m. every single day since September 8th she's been out there except on holidays and weekends uh, and that's just her by herself and some people join her and she just holds a sign there you can do it in your neighborhood yeah. Uh, you can get together with two friends. Uh, you can just plaster your car with stickers or signs. I do that, and I get conversations in Times Supermarket whenever I go. <laughs> uh, and the clerks in there, I don't know what they think about choice, but, you know, they talk to me, Carolyn, what are you doing? So um, it becomes something that, you know, you can talk about with people on a very casual level. That's being an activist. Right, right. Uh, being an activist is just, you know, maybe wearing a shirt or something. Yeah. Uh, and getting in those conversations, telling people why you feel strongly about it and what they can do. Right. Uh, uh, and I think that's what we need, is yeah. we need just lots and lots of different organizations and individuals connecting with each other, not with some great huge organization mm. even, just connecting with each other yeah. and then doing what you feel you can do, whether that's, you know, putting stuff on social media, great. Um, Standing on a corner, fine. Not your thing. Have a coffee with a bunch of friends and say, hey, we're going to talk about right. choice. Yes. And you what know? does it mean to have freedom? Yeah. To and have to freedom. Ha How yeah. do you control your own body? Yeah. If you can't control your own body, uh, forced womanhood is slavery. Exactly. And I just wanted to quote that from your um, yeah. list here. You said, well, you didn't. It's it's in the ver verbiage in the riseupforabortionsrights.org. Um, and it says here, forced motherhood is female enslavement. When women are not free, no one is free. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, if you are forced to have kids against your, when you don't want them, um, you are not free to control your own life. I mean, having kids is beautiful. I have two. I love my kids. Um, uh, I, I like having a family. Um, but I also want it to be one of my choosing. I want my body to be uh, to have control over my body, um, and I think when you don't, you are enslaved. Um, and how do these extremists re? How do they change that narrative to convince people? Well, a otherwise? lot of that's a biblical mm -hmm. understanding of who a woman is. Right. Uh, so this is largely driven by a lot of Christian, what I would call Christian fascist fundamentalists. Now, many Christians believe in choice. I'm not painting everybody with the same brush. But there are Christian fascist fundamentalists who um, want to impose their will on women. They want to control their bodies. They want to control what they do, where they work. Uh, a lot of the homeschooling movement, uh, though some of it I like, uh, but a lot of that's in order to keep women at home and having the responsibility at home and taking care of the kids and doing the education. God knows what that education is going to be. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I think being able to have, have a choice of, being, of having a career or not having a career. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my choices, I really wanted to go to college. I had two kids, and I knew I couldn't go to college and have more kids mm, uh, right. with small kids. Um, you know, and so it's just basically having control over your own 
your own life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there are too many people uh, in the churches. A lot of men, a lot of men who just don't think women, you know, who still think women are. Um, <laughs> should right, be under the position, them. right? Yeah, but so the why, why, why has this? Why, why has that strengthened? How, how, how do you think you know our country? You know, here we are thinking that we've moved so far ahead and progressed in terms of accessing women's rights, and then we're going backwards. And where does it? We're point going that backwards to? on a lot of things, and I think a lot of that is just like we're we've been on a trajectory toward this for a long time. Mm. Uh, it's not brand new. Uh, whether it's war, whether it's the way we treat immigrants, whether it's women's issues, we've been on this trajectory. And we've been kidding ourselves with all this nice talk about how far we've come. Right. It's yes, all BS, we've come isn't far. It? <laughs> There's a lot of BS in that, right? And so, uh, I think we got to face up to reality and what it is. No, but, but there's our, also the reality that people are estranged from each other. Okay. Our society is very broken. Yes. And people are having to work 24-7 in order to just make ends meet. And a lot of people can't make those ends meet. And it causes you to look to some different areas, I think, for support. Uh, a lot of the people... In fact, people I know, and certainly my family experience, is that you look to the church in those very fundamentalist groups because they offer a lot of support, uh, tremendous support, uh, that isn't there in society. We have a society that's very mobile. People move place to place with their jobs. Um, they're very disengaged with each other. It's, it's it's part of this whole individualistic, neoliberal yes. kind of society, yes, too. Is. You know, um, and then the younger generation, as much as we seem to, you know, I look at my, the students in my class, and they're just wonderfully kind of engaged with so many mm -hmm. issues. But at the same time, when you see what's going on outside, why is there such a lack of that embracing community? Uh, the, yes. <laughs> why, why? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think our communities are broken. Broken. Very broken. And so people are looking for, yeah. and, and unfortunately, you have these strong, yeah. I'd call fascist movements on, yes. that are preying on the people. Uh, uh, some of them have the best child care available oh. on this island. Right. Now, if you're desperate for child care, you're going to go to church a few times oh, for, gosh. you know, getting child care. And then you gradually are adopting how you vote, how you right, think, right, how you... Right. Um, and then you're going to conform to that community's norms. But why is there such a surge of these people who have such power in such places? Again, does this draw back to this whole structure? Where I think it's, it's the whole structure. We're breeding more yeah. of this type of yeah. extremist mentality. And and this individualism has been been it, yeah, that's, really really pushed. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, that I don't know how to crack that one. Like, act, that actually having control of your life is things like not being able, not willing to wear a mask. Oh, I gosh. Mean, you know, yes, okay. We so, don't yes. have our control of our body as a woman, but we're on this field fighting for a <laughs> for mask. For the rights to, right, right, mean, to take it know, off. My you know, gosh. This is like crazy. It's yeah. loony. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think we're at a, a polarized place where society is coming apart. I think the U.S. is coming apart, and we're going to get 
on a whole thing, so I'm not going to go there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know. You know, it's ironic, too, because, you know, a couple of years ago when Black Lives Matter started, it's like unleashed this whole new kind of... It was of, a beautiful uprising. Right. And it was just like a breath of fresh air for mm. all of us who mm. wanted changed. Mm. And then... And then it got went away and got normalized that, oh, yeah, Yeah. cops kill people. We just begin to accept that, you know, Uh, again. And we think we're making progress because one case maybe Maybe. fought to get... But I think that's part of our instant individual gratification, too. I mean, I I went to the demonstrations. I was part of those and built for them. And, you know, you could stand on a corner with three people for a long time against a police killing. It was when it became the cool thing to do that everybody poured out. Yes. And unfortunately, and it was wonderful when they did. I'm not putting that down. No, that was such an energy (laughs) to this place. My goodness. But that needed to happen, continue. It had to continue to be in the streets. It had to be continued. It had to be sustained. Now, obviously, everybody, millions aren't going to walk out the same time, the same day every time, but it kind of went down and you got told oh it's going to be taken care of by this or this or this or we have a new mentality no we do not have a new mentality white supremacy is just as strong um it's had to make some adjustments it's had to fund a few more things Mm -hmm. but you know it hasn't changed its essence right and you know we talk about Movements and needing voices, and um, do, do you think it really needs like how to to disrupt something? Mm-hmm. Does it need that physical um, body? I of think so. Movement? I don't think Does, that, that it's going school. to disrupt over social media. Um, it's going. It helps. It helps, or, or it moves I'm in on a it different too space. Much. And, and, and it's really good, um, but, but you need bodies on the street. That's what you're saying. You need on the street, and you. I mean, I think on the very negative example, what's happening with the truckers up in, oh, right. in those Canada? Yeah. Boys right. in Canada. I mean, they just had free reign to go shut stuff down, and <laughs> nobody was opposing them. Suddenly, there were thousands on the street. But we didn't hear about those thousands of the street opposing it. What the big news has been is the truckers' convoy. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. did we know that the Neighborhood Dog Walkers Association actually organized a a stoppage of a convoy rolling through through Ottawa, actually, by just throwing a table up in the street, calling their friends, and hundreds were out in the street, and then thousands. Right. Thousands were out on the street opposing that, and that's what's needed. Now, that's going to cause chaos. Yeah, yeah. But those people who are so out there, the problem is only one side's out there. Right. We have anti-masking people out all the time. Right. Where are the people... Who are fighting. Who are fighting. Yeah. Where are the people who are really fighting for the healthcare workers? So you're saying in an ideal kind of protest activism, there needs to be that type of tension on the street in order to create change. Yes. And we we have the material basis for it in the polarization. What's out there is so ugly... That in our hearts, we know we can't stand it. Now we're going to have to get vocal. We're going to have to show our own bodies in the streets. And COVID's not helping, honestly. Right, of course, of course. But also, I think the reluctance from people who want to to be involved with... 
an issue like abortion <laughs> is is something like like a lot of let's just say your average um um I don't know, um, upper class male, whatever, businessman. Is he going to want to take off work a day and kind of be a part of this movement? And no, why but not? I'm hoping there will be millions of women who do. Yes. And okay. some men. Okay. 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 And men are totally wanted to as allies and friends. Well, that's and what this. I'm saying. We need, yeah, we we need, need to educate everybody. our sons and our husbands, husbands and everyone because this is affecting everyone. Right. It's not just. I was really happy at the last women's march, which was not advertised much. It was relatively small. But I was happy to see families, whole families, yes. taking their kids. Yes. Um, and that's what we need. Yes. And I think we have to find ways to do that. Uh, yeah. In two weeks, they're going to have a big speak out at the end of Mass at the cathedral, in the big cathedral in okay. New York City. Okay. And they're going to stand out there and tell their stories yeah. uh, to people leaving Mass. Huh. Um, I mean, we can think of so many ways to do this. Yeah, yeah. And there are so many issues around the woman's body that needs to be vocalized and they're right. all connected like for example i'm on i'm i'm very active with this movement uh, to fight period poverty right you know like menstrual supplies is something that shouldn't <laughs> be a problem for your every female body no uh it, it, it's crazy that you don't have access to something like a pad and then you're not going to go to school yeah right and then if you do go to school and you say, you, you know, you, there are just so many shaming issues around a woman's body that we, I, I think we still have so, so, so much to do. Um, yeah. So uh, first I need to do a quick break with the surf report because we're in Hawaii and people out there <laughs> are getting anxiety from sitting at home too long and need to get in the water. Well, let's just do that quickly and then we'll come back and talk to Carolyn more about the um, fighting for the abortion rights. Okay. Um, quickly, a large west-northwest, large west-northwest, does that make sense? Yes. A west-northwest currently moving through the islands will maintain a high surf warning and a high surf advisory for select north and west facing shores through 6 p.m. on Wednesday. The swell is expected to lower on Wednesday night through Friday, but could linger at advisory levels into Wednesday night for most of north and west facing shores. And a new northwest swell is forecast to arrive on Friday night peak below advisory levels on Saturday, then lower Saturday night through early next week. And an out-of-season south swell will keep south shore surf near the summertime average tonight through Thursday. This swell will lower Thursday night and Friday, with surf returning to mainly ground background levels over the weekend into early next week. And the east shore surf will remain smaller than normal through Wednesday, then rise close to seasonal average on Thursday through the weekend. Ooh, this um, afternoon, north-facing shores claims 20 to 25 feet. No wonder my boys have taken off to the North Shore today. West-facing is 15 to 20 feet. South-facing, 3 to 5 feet. And east-facing is 2 to 4 feet. Special mahalo to Surf and Sea for supporting College Radio. Surf and Sea, Hawaii's ocean sports headquarters, has been on the beach for over 50 years in historic Haliva Town, where you can try before you buy surf, sup, and dive right in their backyard. For more info, you can go to surfandsea.com or at 637-SURF-SURF-AND-SEA on the beach since 1965. KTUH does not air advertisements. However, we are allowed to broadcast 20 to 30 second spots that acknowledge sponsors who donate funds to the station. 
K2H Underwriting is a way for your business, corporation, foundation, or organization to expand your network, awareness, and customer base, connecting our diverse audience to your local business. If you're interested in supporting College Radio while also getting your message out to the community, you can contact us at underwriting at ktuh.org. I am the slave of the land. I come from the nowhere, I go to the no place, and here I am. You make a wish, and I give up. <laughs> you want something? K-T-U-H-F-M, Honolulu. It's magic. It's also magic when you know how to speak up and learn how to use your voice. And here I am with uh, Carolyn Hatfield talking about this whole huge movement where we need to rise up. Rising up for abortion rights. That's right. That is the organization we're talking about. Riseupforabortionrights.org. Carolyn, where should we um, continue? We were talking so much about... Uh, well, we went, we went from your personal experience knowing s- some horribly disturbing um, things around abortion as a young girl and then going to being like learning in the 70s seeing how the clinics kind of like rose up and then shut down or disappeared dissolved just like i don't Mm -hmm. know and then now we are a surge of these extremists who are trying to control our bodies again um so yeah how do we do this i think we have to try to move out of what we've sort of accepted as reality um, that we have to start dreaming again um, about a different reality, about people actually getting together and doing things together rather than uh, waiting for someone else to do it for you. Uh, I think we need to imagine what a movement could look like in all of its different forms with all of its beauty. Uh, because a lot of people ask me, like, how can you keep doing this year after year? You've done it now for 60 years. One is because I'm, I'm still raging over the kind of um, uh, closed, bigoted, anti-woman community I'm raised in, and I'm determined that we'll never go to that. <sighs> um, so that sort of rage, but the rage isn't what's principal anymore. It's the beauty of actually the people who are out on the streets and fighting that in so many different ways. And so I think we have to dream of all of the different ways, all of the things that it could possibly look like and embrace all different kind of forms, not just be stuck with one kind of view of, oh, we go to a march and then something's going to happen. No, nothing's going to happen over a single march. A march can do beautiful things, as we saw with um, the George Floyd, right, you know, the right. movement, and even for the, the BLM movement, movement and women's for a movement. While, yes. You know, we've seen beautiful marches, and they inspired us. And residues of it, because yes. we get the social media clips that we can continue yeah, playing, right, but then right. we rely on that to give its afterlife, and we stop working right, towards it. Right. And I think we need to think to really promote all of the different ways those these things can happen through the arts. Um, through uh, yes. performances, yes. through music, yes. uh, through slam poetry, poetry. Uh, the movement has to become more vital with all different people with different kinds of energy. 
Mm. Uh, just just going for a better world that has that doesn't control women's bodies in this particular around this particular struggle, uh, and that's really hard because people just think of like, okay, how many days do we have to organize a march, mm. and will that march happen? The logistics and the logistics and everything like that. Uh, I think those are important things. I'm not saying don't do that. Uh, and right now, I'm here to promote the <laughs> the march on um, on March 8th, International Women's Day. But that isn't going to do anything if we don't, you know, just continue to unleash creativity around this. New ideas, new energy, new people. Whether it's uh, elderly. I mean, I'm always yeah. inspired by raging grannies and some of the <laughs> just insane grannies. things they do. Yes, I saw a video of them on the streets in Palo Alto yesterday. What do they that, do now? Oh, this was on abortion rights. But, you know, they're on it, on it all the time. Yeah. Um, whether it's uh, young kids who are drawing pictures of, yeah. uh, you know, right. freedom. Right. Uh, of whether it's... Uh, High school students who are are talking and and maybe having a creative program about have what it would mean to have control of your whole right. of your own life right. of your own body. Yeah, um, I think it takes a lot of um, effort to shift the narrative because we, by default, go to what's out there and then re- respond to that without thinking, "Hey, I can change up the narrative right. by creating my own content." Yeah. And reframing things, and that's what of kind of there is a nice movement with that, especially with like um, in in my in my field of like documentary filmmaking. I oh, see a lot yeah. of women of color who come out and they create magnificent, important, beautiful work. things that just don't get the kind of distribution that are needed. Right. And so then I would say, like around filmmaking, we need to have more circles where yes. those films are accessible yes. and not so expensive that we can never have a group of twenty five people, you know, to sit down yes. and and watch them. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, because it's, again, it's know, a privileged space. Like, who gets the who, who are the gatekeepers yes. for allowing which kind of content to yeah. go out there? And you look at you look at all the streaming platforms and all the kind of shows out there. Sure, there are some bold new programs. I give them that. You know, like I mentioned before, even like Sex Education, mm-hmm. that series is something that's very entertaining but educational. Then you've got like the disturbing ones, like Euphoria, that bring in issues of drug addiction and. Um, and 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 s- sexual relationships in very non-binary ways, but um, it's still a mainstream platform. Mm-hmm. And where are the alternative voices that can kind of like really? And I think us? in in filmmaking, in uh, some of the poetry, you yeah. are getting a lot more of that now than we had before. And there has to be yeah. a big growth of that. Yes. There has to just be all kinds of different forms. And I, you know, uh, I, I think we need dance routines at our yes. protests. I think we need singing at our protests. Yes. All of those kinds of things. Now, I can't do that. Well, so you can't then, sing? No, I can't <laughs> sing. Um, I was the only kid to be kicked out of any kind of chorus in schools. So, um, you know, there have to be people stepping forward to do all these kinds of creative things. And I yes. think a lot of us who have have sort of pictures of the way things should be need mm-hmm. to open their minds, too. There's too much closed-mindedness. about. And, and social media kind of reinforces that closed-mindedness, right. ironically, right. because we get so self-consumed with how we're being perceived. And, you know, if people are on the right track, I don't think there has to be all that much fear about how we're going to say it and everything. I think there's kind of like a thing where politically correct has actually muzzled some creative voices that are out there who aren't in those circles. Yeah. Um, And, you know, 
we have to look at the message. What are people trying? What side do they stand on on these issues? Um, but how do we get people who are not on that side to get on that side? Yeah. Like, Good question. <laughs> I mean, we're so divided. It's really, it's so frustrating because... It is frustrating. You know, half of the people who are listening are probably, um, honestly, not appreciating what we're talking about. Or, or are, like, saying, yes, we need more of this. So, yeah. you know... Well, they can do it through their churches. They can do it through their organizations. A lot of them have different forms. And, you know, some are doing really bang-up jobs. Yeah. But uh, it's not getting out there broadly enough. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I keep going back to um, all the kind of the language in this uh the site for Rise mm-hmm. Up for Abortion Rights. And I'm just going to read off another bold mm-hmm. print because I think it's just we need to kind of re- reinforce, you know, what, what we're talking about here. So here's another one. Um, if you care about half of the humanity that is born female, if you remember the dark days of back alley deaths and foreclosed lives, if you are among the one in four women whose hopes and dreams or even survival has hinged on access to abortion, if you refuse to inherit or pass on a world that is hurtling backwards, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. We don't think about these back alley deaths. And, the, you know, what's, like I said before, in media is oftentimes we look and respond to what we see, but we don't train ourselves to see what's missing. Like, what are the missing conversations? What are the back alley things that are happening in our lives that we don't see or care, don't care to see? These silent spaces that are where the dangers and the violences and the assaults are happening to our bodies, right? And how do we bring them forefront in a way that's engaging, in a way that will allow people to say, hey, I need to be a part of this because this is not right. Yeah, and I think one of the ways that you begin is actually confronting all of these things when you're talking just intimately with friends. Like a lot of times, well, since doing this, I've just heard so many people tell me, um, well, we don't have to worry in Hawaii because it's a state issue. Mm. And there are several things wrong with that. We do have to worry. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is how individualistic, how selfish is that to say that, the nine million women in Texas who can't get abortions now, that's just their problem. Exactly. Um, the people across the U.S. who are, if this goes through, the people who can't afford abortions at all. Um, you know, where is our humanity? Exactly. It's our humanity we're talking about here. How do we think about each other? Not just people in Hawaii, not just people in our church, not people in our neighborhood, but people everywhere. Not just in this country, but across the world. Uh, how, do, how, how are we programmed to think? I think we're constantly being programmed to think about ourselves, yeah. then possibly our neighborhood, let's keep that clean, mm-hmm. and then you know maybe our school or our church group, and each one of them has barriers to the next group. And those barriers have to be broken down. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate, again, like, because COVID, you know, we don't have that much access to uh, in-person yes. interactions. Like, here on campus, you don't see that many people running around. But at the same time, we we serve as a body that should have a voice for things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should limit, you know. Well, on the positive thing, you know, it was it was during COVID, during the worst part of That's COVID, right. that BLM yes, and the whole movement that. broke out. Yeah, People saw it. They saw a dream. 
they moved. Yeah. So I don't think it's primarily COVID. I think it's mm. it's more that we've given up. We've lost the dream. Or we don't, we don't think it's our problem. Or we don't. We, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we we have difference. lost sight it's of. Not of the fight we have to wage in order to have a decent decent world to live in. Yeah, yeah. People don't want to disrupt their lives. It's inconvenient to, yes. to go out and protest. Yes, and it also brings a lot of joy. Every time I go out, and I go out, not this week, it'll be three times protesting. I meet new people. I have new conversations. I hear new stories. Yes. A lot of that is exchange. It's not just, you know, doing whatever you're doing. You're building new communities with each one. Yes. Um, and I, I think people don't see that, or they aren't comfortable in that space, maybe, too. And and that's something, I think, if we want a better world, we're going to have to get comfortable in different spaces. We need to get uncomfortable. We need to we get, need to get uncomfortable. out of our We need to get really zones. uncomfortable. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Sure, some spaces make you uncomfortable. Yeah. But... Okay, go in there, screw up, do whatever you're going to do. <laughs> I think you're right. We can't learn. be complacent anymore. No, you know? we, and we think we're um, activists in ways that we're vocal within our own space. Like, oh, yeah, everybody has an opinion on something. And then they yeah. shoot out something on social media and say, okay, yeah, I've done my, my voice. Right, but right. It's, you're saying we need to get out there we need to get on out the streets. There, and we need to talk with people. We need to make our, our, um, our beliefs visible. We, we should be the things people are talking about that evening when they get home. Did yeah. you see those nutcases? I don't care. <laughs> you know? Right. Put it out there. Yeah. I remember when I saw the first three people marching against the Vietnam War in this town, and I thought wow. they were absolutely crazy. Yeah. So, you know, and 10 years yeah. later, I was marching against the war. Right. So. You know, let's get out there. Dare to do things. And if it needs for a person to connect with the idea that you might potentially know somebody yeah. who might be at the short end of this situation yes. where they have no control over their bodies and they have to opt for something, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Right. Because yeah. so many people don't have the privilege. So they're, they're just going to have to find ways within their own life, yes. at their workplace, at yeah. their, with their friends. Yeah. So tell us again, uh, as we wrap it up, what and how okay. we can do this. <laughs> okay, riseupforabortionrights.org at gmail.com if you want to talk to me. Uh, you can... Uh, and. Check out the national website, riseupforabortionrights.org. Uh, sign up on the statement, and you'll get notices from about different things happening. They will not deluge your your uh, your email with tons of mail. Um, and um, yeah, talk to people. Build your own organization. Uh, read the statement online, and it's a it's a long statement. It's not three a three line petition. It's a pretty long statement, and then you can your fashion your own talks with people. Have your own ideas off of that, and remember that the decision is going to come out on Roe v. Wade uh, in the end of June or early to July. So we're going to be building from now until then. Maybe you have a classroom where you want someone to come in and speak. Um, maybe you have a church where you have a um, where you'd like to have that. Believe it or not, I actually spoke with a nun on uh, abortion rights in mm. 1971 at Punahou School. Wow. In Chapel. How'd that go down? Now, it was great. 
Um, and she was cho pro-choice, a nun, in teaching in a Catholic school here. Uh, and there was a panel of anti-choice people on of the course. same one, which is how they got away with it. Oh. But, you know, we need to have that kind of conversation everywhere, not steer clear of the things that are controversial. Right, to normalize there the is fact no that this safe is a problem space. out there. Yeah. There is no safe space. Um, you know, you can try to create it, and I think yeah. that's been one of the problems of just really trying to create these unreal yeah. safe spaces. And we need to question the structures around us because, right. you know, even if you love your family to death, if your family is telling you that this is not how you should treat your body and you don't feel that, in, right. it, it, then you need to do something. You have to control your own body yes. from your own own set of choices. Right, it's your body. So... so. How to do that? I can't tell anybody how well, to do that. Well, we're going to start by joining the march on, okay, March, on March 8th. March uh, 8th, be out there. Be out there. Uh, we're going to be uh, gathering at the Capitol at 3. Now, if you can't make it at 3, get there at 4. Uh, at four, That's we're pretty gonna, late, because usually a lot of these marches start early. early. Yeah, what day but it's is a weekday. It's Tuesday. Ah, okay. Because that's International Tuesday. Women's Day, so yes. that's kind of hard. Okay. Uh, but take off an hour early and get there by 4. Uh, we'll go through downtown Honolulu and then to the Fed building and... Then anybody can take off and do something after that if they want. Head down yeah. to Waikiki. Hell, go, have a go lot have of fun. Go have a drink and yeah. <laughs> What's your version of fun, Kathy? My, my version would yes. be to continue the march in Waikiki and stand on the corner and tell more people. Wow. That's my version of really? fun. Really? Yes, honestly. I mean, the, you know, you have so much energy, and if you don't mind me sharing that, you are an 80-year-old woman. Yeah. You, you, you are a, an amazing force uh, of energy, and I really am so... Um, but what we need are 20-year-olds with the energy. Okay. And yesterday, there was a group of Planned Parenthood Young Women Generation Action up here on campus at the center, and oh. they had that kind of energy talking about choice and... Oh. Uh, Passing out condoms and things like that, too. So shout out to them as well. Because we need young people. We need old people. We need, we need men, everybody. women, and non-binary. We need bodies. We need bodies. Everybody. 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 Yeah. Okay. I'll be sure to remind our K2H listeners about this upcoming march. So, again, Thanks. thank you so much. You're listening to Carolyn Hadfield, who shared so much about um, the importance of, of fighting for our rights of our bodies and the f what it means to be free. So thank you so much for your time and uh, wishing you the luck. And I am on board. I signed up. So we'll just okay, see how great. that goes. It's just the start. <laughs> thank you.